All right, we are we are recording. <laughs> Shit, you got notes. Oh, that's like for <laughs> as for a article I'm doing this week on a different anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. Oh boy, I'm so oh, sorry. Wow. Playing the hits. Is it, bu- is it a BuzzFeed quiz about which anti-Semitic conspiracy theory you are? <laughs> Are we recording yet? <laughs> yeah, we Good. are recording. <laughs> I'm the one about all the pickpockets. <laughs> <laughs> that can be the cold open. <laughs> Tag yourself, I'm lizards. <laughs> Welcome to Bonus TF for the Week. Uh, it's me, Riley. I'm joined in studio by Milo. It's me, your boy. Nate on the boards. Hello. Olga. Bazinga. <laughs> Foreshadowing. And uh, being rejoined by Eleanor Penny. Hello. Eleanor, how are you oh, doing? Oh, hi. I follow you on Twitter. I just realized that you're that Eleanor. Hi. Oh, hi that <laughs> Olga. You're very funny. <laughs> oh. Not like the other so Eleanors. So are you. God, that's a... That's a- a lot of pressure for, to start the show. <laughs> Good. 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 <laughs> no, I, I know this is an pressure. audio medium, but she's actually sharpening a very large knife at the moment. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> sorry, okay, what? Yeah, sorry, what? <laughs> uh, so, look, look, look. Listen. Bazinga. Mm. It's time to talk about the Big Bang Theory. It's my favorite Veruca medicine. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> because, Eleanor, you and I have been having this conversation for about a year now. Or so, where we've been we've been saying yes, it's obvious. Shower. It's oh no, never. It's obvious that the Big Bang Theory is the urtext of sort of modern reactionary nerd fascism. But why? Why? Using the word obvious there. I mean, like, <laughs> it's obviously a very bad show. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I don't think I don't think most people would like watch that show and be like, well, clearly. This is the foundational text of like all fascism. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's you thought it was Mencius Moldbug and the Journal of American Greatness? No, mine comfy gaming chair. Like, well, like <laughs> um, <laughs> no, not at all. It's it's it's. It was, is it a bunch of eight chan posts? No, it's this Minecraft. <laughs> anyway, um, um, so this is this is something we've been discussing, but. To just introduce everyone to the idea of what the Big Bang Theory is, it seems to me to be um, several guys... In the beginning, there was like one big rock, and then yeah. what happened was... Anyway. Would you say that this episode is your Big big Bang Theory theory? Yes, Whoa. I would say that, Olga. I, I would say that that's correct. <laughs> so pleased with yourself. <laughs> Olga, Olga, was that a Russian nesting doll joke? Hey! Oh, There's boy. another woman inside of me. <laughs> I ate my twin. It's my grandmother. <laughs> extremely, extremely Eric Watts' face voice. Time for some Big Bang Theory. <laughs> oh, yeah. As a family, we're very close. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, essentially, it's a show about... But we fly so cheaply. <laughs> God damn it. It just seems to be a show about um, four guys, one of whom is incredibly autistic, who live in a room full of comics memorabilia and action figures. But enough about this podcast. (laughs) 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 We only have have the one bit of memorabilia, and it's the Elon Musk memorabilia. Yeah. Oh, Uh Mm. Oh, and, and the and the poster of me as a Russian propaganda thing, but it's down in the corner because I'm yeah. only which, which is basically anime. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's manga, please. Um, anyway, the premise is that they move they move in across the hall from a girl 
Whoa. Whoa. Hi, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was Olga. And then for about four seasons, uh, the guy played by Johnny Galecki, Leonard, sort of badgers and pleads and begs and insinuates and manipulates this girl into falling in love with him. And then they're actually dating for the latter seven seasons. But enough about this podcast. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> I could kind of get the first one. We are in a basement. Yeah. Um, look, guys, listen. If you're living in a guy household and a girl moves in opposite you, you can't ever talk to her because that's gay. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And if you're wondering which one of the trash future boys I am fucking, it is the cardboard cutout of Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> it's a he always does what I say. <laughs> Shockingly Just- more emotionally available than the other hosts. Oh! Uh, I'm so emotionally available, it's actually a problem. <laughs> I'm too emotionally available, if anything. Tipping into emotionally wounded. Yes. Oh, oh, you didn't even know the half of it. <laughs> We've already talked about that on one Russian language yeah. podcast today. That is the basic premise. The basic, all of that is the basic premise of of this of this show. We just watched an episode where um, the gang. Uh, tries to gang, go play gang, gang. Dungeons and Dragons at Will Wheaton's house, and it's epic because Kevin Smith, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, William Shatner, and the guy from Magic Mike—not uh, the main guy, there. but like one of the other guys. No, they wouldn't get the main guy for something like this. Um, and then they're mostly they are, they they obsess about going to see them. They wouldn't get the like Channing T- Channing Tatum has too much artistic That's integrity. What I mean. well, Channing Tatum was already playing Sheldon. So oh, he right. can't. <laughs> wait a minute, which one was Will Wheaton? The the guy with the, the guy who's hosting it. Oh my! That's what the fuck happened to him? Holy shit! I just remember him as Wesley Crusher. Like I would never in a million years have recognized him. Well, yeah, I do feel like you're the one who got the most out of it. Unironically. <laughs> Wait, hang on. There's a, there's a there's a character called Wesley Crusher in Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like something I'd make up. No, he was like a teenager in the '80s. He played a character on Star on the second version of Star Trek, and he's just like famously annoying. But like that's what he's known for. Minister for Home Development and Fox Hunting, Wesley Crusher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a Tory Junior MP. For Sure. <laughs> yeah. He's also he he kind of like reinvented himself as like an ironic nerd online culture guy, but yeah. I just mm. haven't seen a picture of him in like twenty years, so I didn't realize. I mean, he he looked like a Zach Galifianakis clone. Yeah, that's yeah. that. But that that is essentially where where this show heads, which is that it it panders to its fans by showing them super super epic William Shatner. Um, mm. and what I sort of sort of I think about that is like the last person who said William Shatner was epic in 2011 is now posting about the great replacement on 8chan because a lot of this like hyper curatorial nerd culture that also is like very um let's say possessive and distancing of all women around it say or just or just flat out misogynist yeah flat out misogynist is like it, it shares many of these same cultural currents so eleanor this is where i'll sort of throw to you because this is something that, that you and i have been speaking about yeah, um, I love it. Like every time I, c- I come on, you you introduce it by like um, how long we've spent fucking about actually not recording the show. So like, <laughs> shout out to you for um, outing me like that. But yeah, like um, at the heart of like a lot of this like very toxic fascistic um, nerd culture is like an obsession with the idea of like a kind of structural civilizational collapse of masculinity on which all of like in appropriate scare quotes, Western culture is based. Mm. And this is a kind Mm. of like, it's a show about nerds, which is not kind of for nerds. Like it's, you're right that it has like a lot of kind of cultural comment, cultural currents in common with like people who are like, like now posting Nazi memes on 4chan or whatever. But like those Mm. people aren't necessarily watching this Mm. show. Like this is a much more kind of like 
normie version of it where you're like look at the spectacle of like what has become of the american male mm. and it's all about like signifying their kind of their weakness their like pusillanimous inability to like gain the attention of women um and which is like the framework for how all of their like you know, rampant misogyny and like the racism of the show to be framed as like these like adorable attempts to kind of redeem themselves into um like the the counterposition or or like the like the obvious comparison which they're set, set up against to, at the beginning of the show which is like your archetypal like american male hero who kind of like takes what he wants mm. and like can get the girl or whatever um and so all of their um like creepiness is can be played for laughs because it's kind of endearing because it has to be endearing because the teleology of the show is all about returning these people to like like some kind of social value and like the ways in which that's done is by like testing their power against women against like the very rare like BAME people who wander into the show against this kind of like faceless vapid but also weak kind of like state university power that like surrounds them and yeah like all of their in interactions like with the outside world are like purely as objects of study and objects of like um consumption well it's the fallacy of positioning them as underdogs right it's similar to revenge of the nerds where the nerds like literally rape a girl in yeah. revenge of the nerds but it's the fact that they are the underdogs so theoretically they're everyone like the the idea that everyone is stronger than them where it's not true well hang on so the nerds revenge is that they rape someone well, in, revenge of, in yes. revenge of the nerds yeah. one, of, one of the Actually, characters I don't know this film at all but one I'm the, just one of the trying to get my head around it basically yeah, yeah. in costume uh fools a girl into thinking she's sleeping with her boyfriend when she's actually sleeping with him but she likes it because he's better at sex apparently and that's how the film is framed like oh it can't be rape because he might have he might have lied his way into sex with her but like he's good at sex because he's a nerd because that's all he thinks about and that's that's it's a movie made in like 1984 that's how it's just explained away and what? no attention is paid to it after that yeesh yeah it's bad mm. yeesh is the right word Correct. sir yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeesh plus, my friend plus indeed one yikes from me <laughs> yeah and it's not like the show doesn't acknowledge the existence of sexism and the existence of misogyny but it's always by like the bad men mm. who are like not like the central four even though they engage in some like pretty high tech like creeping and it's like I can't even like I actually lost track even in one episode like how many like throwaway lines of like I caught um, two yeah. I caught two one was uh, the one where they because the whole point of this episode is they're trying to insinuate themselves into uh, Will Wheaton or Wesley Crusher's D and D game that he plays with all of the the best celebrities we could get to come on the Big Bang Theory mm -hmm. friend. None group of, of whom are people who would otherwise ever be in the same room either. Like yeah. I can't imagine. Like yeah. I'm just offended I wasn't contacted. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, be, to be fair, Milo, they might get together at a Republican fundraiser. Oh! <laughs> Damn. Well, is it just me? I can't look at William Shatner without thinking, Christ, Sandy Toxby's let herself go. Like, that's like... <laughs> um, so I caught, I caught, I caught several. Um, one was at the beginning where they've worked out that Will Wheaton has a D&D &D game and they use, quote unquote, graph theory, which as far as I could tell was just them drawing some 
It was just a spider diagram. Yeah, just drawing like, spider like, diagrams. Oh, God, look at them. They're such PhD nerds. They're going to use maths to work out what people, other people know by drawing a spider diagram. Like, that's not maths. That's just a flowchart. But, <laughs> but secondly, that, that the conversation between the three women they've managed to badger being in their lot, badger into being in their lives, then said, oh, this is the rest of our afternoon. And one of the others says, yeah, more like the rest of our lives. Because um, oh, we have to put because up talking with- to girls is gay. Yeah. Jesus, come <laughs> Talk- on. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also like if you like Be a if man, you hate- suck your bro's dick. <laughs> <laughs> if you hate these men, why do you go out with them? I mean, but also that's literally a problem that I have with every stereotypical stand-up comedian who goes up there and be like, I hate my girlfriend. And I was like, why are you with her? Why are you wasting each other's time? <laughs> yes. Do you? Does she know you're here? <laughs> <laughs> seems like a problem that you should address. My God. That's why I'm going room. with that new my girlfriend hates me vibe. <laughs> <laughs> I stepped out of the room and there was briefly a moment where he was mentioning something to the effect of like riding a bike past a girl's house really, really, really slowly. Like, oh, you mean like... I have stalking her. I have that written wow, down. Wow, what a great joke. Uh, it no, is, they're just very feeble. They can't ride a bike fast. Yeah. <laughs> it's not fair. It is that he said, yeah, I, they're making a creepy phone call uh, to Will Wheaton, trying to pretend to be William Shatner so they can get on the invite list. And they, I and, mean, honestly, I just think that the actor was looking, because he knew Big Bang Theory was ending, and he was did, wanted to do like an accent showreel for future jobs. Yeah. <laughs> and so said, "I'm. Oh, don't worry, this isn't my first creepy voicemail. It's just like le- learning how to ride a bike slowly and past a girl's house. Oh. Uh, mm. No, but like, it's, it's like classic that like the Jewish guy and the Indian guy are like simultaneously the most like sexual and the most neutered which is like right out of like a far right playbook which is that like these aren't like people who are who can be conveyors of this like proper aspirational sexualized masculinity but they're still like this like lurking sexual Mm. menace that is like barely kept in check like the the um, Jewish guy in particular, like his characterization really creeps me the fuck out because like I know the, it could genuinely be like f- like out of a poster from the fucking Third Reich. Like it's <laughs> it's like that fucking bad. And when people are like... Particularly- the, da- the dangerously horny nebbish basically who's, yeah, who's yeah, going to corrupt exactly. your women somehow. Yeah, yeah. He's going to like, he's he's constantly creeping around like trying to get access to the rare resource of like the one white woman. And Crumb of pussy? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the, con- the conquest of pussy, yeah. Um, yeah, well, also, he dresses like it's the 70s, which is very confusing. That's, because- a, that's, a, that's an anti-Semitic trope, actually, that all <laughs> Jews dress like it's the 70s. In Israel, it's always the 70s. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't even know what that joke means, so I don't know how you do. <laughs> like- uh, I bet something. Yeah. Um, so oh, Right in. <laughs> so more, um, more, more lines. Um, at one point when they are playing Dungeons and Dragons, uh, Leonard, the stereotypical, um, tropish, anti-Semitically portrayed Jewish guy. Wait, uh, hang on, no, because there's two Jewish guys. So which one is that Jewish guy? Uh, he's is it the, the guy with the bowl cut? He's the, the bowl cut guy. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 Captain Bullcut. Uh, Wait, so, so then Leonard's the other one, though, isn't he? Leonard's the one no, with the, like, the weird like Skrillex hair. No, that's the other one. Leonard, I don't know. No, I'm pretty sure... Ju- yeah, I think that, I think both of the other white guys apart from Sheldon are both Jew, or they're both supposed to be Jewish. I don't think so, no. I don't, no? I don't so. think so. No. Oh, okay. No, John, that's that's whoever Johnny Galecki plays. I'm sorry, I just assume people are okay. Jewish until I'm told otherwise. <laughs> that's my... Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm so, I'm so, I'm so not anti-Semitic, I assume listen, everyone's Jewish. The only reason that <laughs> I believe... the people that run the world. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, the only, reason, the only reason I believe that Jews run the world is because I believe everyone's a Jew. <laughs> Deep down. 
So, um, well, whatever that guy was, uh, says to Shatner, says, this is the greatest day of my life, to which Shatner responds with, one day you'll meet a girl. Mm. Um, again, as though it's like, yes, there are these activities that you that you can do, but then there's meeting girls, which, by the way, nerds will never do. So maybe yeah, I can't argue with their reasoning so far. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the but the the damage. How many nerds do I have to fuck <laughs> before they will leave me alone? <laughs> before I will finally be sated. <laughs> 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 that's the two, those are the two those are the two ways we're going to solve misogyny. But like that kind of like constant yeah. micro humiliation is is basically the kind of rhythm of the show. Mm. Like all of these kinds of like like fallen archetypes of like of inadequate masculinity are like con- like they're treated with like complete um like complete contempt by the people by the people around them and yet you're still like mm. rooting for them because that's mm. the logic of the show and like that's how it's framed etc cetera, etc cetera. and so you get this like very like like big incel mood of like the um people who are um thwarted from living up to society's standards of masculinity mm. are like are kind of put there by a society that's against them and uh, like, yeah, and <laughs> by a limited resource of like random blonde chicks like across the hall who don't really have opinions and like are continually chastised for well, like wearing big cell mood, big and cell mm. mood. But also like, the idea that they're so neutered that, for example, I, I don't remember the characters' names, but she makes the joke that uh, oh, you you know, she realizes that it was the Will Wheaton characters, like or whomever it was that she's attracted to, is like oh, he was there, the hot guy from the show, and she shows him the phone, and it's like she has nudes of him on the phone, but like the husband who is so non-sexual or so like not competent as like a, a man who can please his wife just doesn't even notice this and it's just like a weird sort of framing like i, I laughed at the joke but then i was like oh that's kind of fucked up though because it sort of implies that like even if he's tricked his wife into into marrying him or to being with if it's his girlfriend to being with him like he can't please women at all because he can't mm. no no nerd can please women except by trickery somehow <laughs> but also like women are dumb and they like only hot dudes and they yes. don't like cool smart dudes but also i want to fuck women so I hate women, yeah. but I also want to fuck them. Well, look, on, and what this turns into on the internet is the black is the red pill or the black pill, because the red pill is realizing that all women want to be with famous celebrity guys, but they will like event, they'll, they'll settle for you if you can more or less trick trick or blackmail them into it by like having a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> precisely. Yeah, <laughs> the Virgin Scientist versus the Chad Podcaster, or. Uh, and that because that's what the red pill is. It's like this realization that you that women are there to be gotten because they're the sellers in the sexual marketplace and you need to like up your value, up your value, up your value until you can buy from them or just badger them into giving you something. Or the black pill where you realize that that you're that you're never going to be to be satisfying enough that something like the big bang theory is even just this is is this fantasy and no no blonde woman will ever move across the hall from you so you might as well just give yourself over to nihilism entirely i can never be olga's final nerd (laughs) (laughs) there will always be another nerd after me (laughs) younger and nerdier she will never be sated (laughs) (laughs) olga's like the volcano god like every year they have to throw like a a young 18 year old nerd into the volcano (laughs) shout out to alec fullerton that i met in class (laughs) a 23 year old uh trash future fan you're the Next version sacrifice, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) That was so dark. (laughs) His name's Alec, and he's literally going to cream himself if he hears his name on his podcast. (laughs) Hey, Alec. This has become like a jerk off instruction thing now. (laughs) 
we have an embedded Woo! JOI in our Okay, not going to lie, over the past couple of weeks, totally got into JOI. <laughs> I love that both of you are like wait, using wait. An, an acronym for this, which implies you say it so often that you've like had to be, there's got to be a way to save time on this. What the fuck is a JOI? Oh, it's a, it's a kind of porn called jack-off instruction where let's just like the, it's like filming the person, could be a man or a woman, who's basically, <laughs> te- who's basically telling you what to do uh, with yourself. Um, and I like not to do it, and I'm like, ha I fooled you. Boozled <laughs> <laughs> again. You're like, you're like, yes, you're saying to do this, but in, in, a, in a classic Animal House style prank, I won't. Uh, oh, yet again. This, like, is how, this is how I'm, be- I'm beating women in the game of life. Not beating physically, but winning against them. It's like Pwned. watching JOI instruction videos and not doing them. I like JOI instruction videos that say stuff like, instead of panicking, just prioritize your to-do list and do it in order. <laughs> 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 Stop tw- doing half of eight things. Twelve, <laughs> 12 JOIs for life. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan Peterson being like, um, I want you to put a finger in your butthole <laughs> while you think about how women are actually an oppressive force on your masculine energy. <laughs> so without the wi- that is with- basically this show. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan, Pe- <laughs> Jordan Peterson J O I, yeah. Hell yeah. So, what I what I sort of wonder is with Joe Rogan JOI. <laughs> uh, first of all, pull this up on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Rogan uh, JOI is just telling Jamie what to do. I need you to think about you. a woman who's four hundred pounds and could tear you to shreds. <laughs> <laughs> oh gracious! Microdosing JOI DMT up your butthole. Oh god! <laughs> I need you to think about eating babies. <laughs> But I just I tried to take a swig of tea when you made that joke and I literally looked like a puffer fish. Just like don't vomit, please don't. God damn it. Uh, Finally, will we make it one of these podcast recordings without someone vomiting? (laughs) It'd be too hilarious. It's part of the JOI. <laughs> yeah, VOI. Also, yeah, actually, that was the lamest joke of the whole episode where it was implied that Sheldon threw up on William Shatner and everyone was being like, oh, you barfed where no man has barfed before. First of all, William Shatner's definitely been thrown up on before. Secondly, <laughs> allegedly. Third of all, when you're working with someone whose surname is literally Shatner, how are you not exploiting that situation? Well, Sheldon barfed, but William. Um, anyway. Yeah. Uh, are you yeah. Try- is this part of your showreel for writing on yeah. the Big Bang Theory? Yeah. Yes, it is. Hi, me. I'm so poor. I will write anything. I don't care. <laughs> um, but like in this, like there was a space here for where like, okay, you're casting four male leads who like are like feel uncomfortable with the ideas of masculinity. Like fine, cool. Like run with that. But like they continually, um, like they continually rip on each other for like, for their failures. It's like not this kind of like, alternative like like alternative vision of like what masculinity could be it's like this like embattled self-loathing like nerd subculture where they're all like like they don't actually talk to each other they Mm. don't actually express any kind of like yeah Mm. it's a it's a combination it's a combination of references and then a reminder that your entire life is based on raising your value in the sexual marketplace and your value is very low and will never be raised it's either that it's either that or haha i raise my sword and strike with you like conan or whatever but in many ways that like there's no like there's no actual room for like humor because there are like there's like very there's, there's like no emotional stakes yeah. in the show at all because there's like very there's no emotionality because it's the whole like fact don't care about mm. your feelings thing and like yeah. you can't actually share like any kind of complex emotion with 
your like guy friends. I'd say it's about as emotionally complicated and intelligent as Ben Shapiro is actually intelligent. It re- mistakes sort of a string of re- <laughs> a string of belligerently quoted references for sort of humor and wit and and originality. Yeah, and it's just this like complete like continual reference to authority like in the guise of like a complex like logistically elaborated rationality it's like the fucking flowchart like oh, you're yeah, saying yeah, yeah. you're too dumb to understand this science thing but trust me it's a science thing oh yeah and if you disagree with me you're being emotional rather than just like <clears throat> pointing out that it's a fucking flowchart here's chart. a little thing I learned from this uh, really deep science book I recently read called I fucking love science <laughs> 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 well yeah there's no there's no room for any kind of like affirmation of these people as friends it's just like virgin Thunderdome and they're trying to own each other one after another with like whatever being the best at whatever which is not an unfair portrayal mm. of online nerd culture mm. but it's mm. weird to see it so it's 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 portrayed in such yeah. a lovable way when it's like that in real life those people would like have you know it would be like biohazard levels of not leaving your room when jacking off <laughs> and then also like getting online to post like pepe memes about like oh, yeah. the master race yeah well, this like is- every argument they have is ba- basically bottoms out on like yes well none of us has ever had our dick sucked but at least i've sucked my own dick so i know what it feels like, like, that's <laughs> that's like and it's unrealistic because in real life these people would all love stalin <laughs> no, I think it'd be, it'd be mostly they'd be the other one, the other kind that the people that don't leave their rooms. That is the real horseshoe theory. It's the Yankees <laughs> and these people. They're all bedroom dwelling nerds who love like sci-fi and anime. Don't leave your room, otherwise you'll become a Stalinist. Is that the takeaway message? <laughs> no, no, no. no. If leaving your room stops you becoming a Stalinist. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. They had the, hate the world for oppressing them, yet they oppress each other with that same kind of oppression, which yeah. is mm. weird. And it's the but like everybody thinks we're a nerd. Nerd. What? <laughs> the NKVD has received a report that you have not watched your anime today. <laughs> well, it's the, Come the, with us. I think the, it, it, almost, it, circle, it circles back around to, but don't forget, this is what like middle-aged moms think nerds are. Because we, this is the sanitized, this is the sanitized version of local oh, moms. They're just, they're just sort of, um, they're just sort of feckless guys who like comic books and need to get scrubbed up by the women in their lives. Yeah. When in fact, what most of when most of that culture by creates, now we're in season sixteen, one of them would have done a murder suicide. Yeah. Yeah. What, exactly. The, what, what that culture creates is guys who post about the Great Replacement. Buzzfeed quiz: Which one would do the murder suicide on Big Bang Theory? Jesus Christ. Plot twist, it's all of them. <laughs> Damn. If that if that was like the final episode, I would respect the hell out of that. <laughs> oh, they yeah, just killed Kelly Cuoco for sure. Yeah, like that would be that oh that would be incredible, incredible because like this is it's a training ground for the kind of people who like look at like incel terrorists like mass murderers and go, you know what? If someone had the courage to suck his dick, <laughs> we wouldn't be in this mess. Like that's because like they're like this isn't directed at mm. nerds who kill people. This is directed at people who kind of like understand and forgive nerds who kill people. The guy yeah. from Magic Mike comes in, there's all like blood everywhere and just corpses and he goes, But how could this have been prevented? <laughs> <laughs> this- <laughs> He's no, not wearing a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> True story, my friend's mom doesn't have any photos of the family in the kitchen, just a framed poster of Big Bang. <laughs> oh my I'm not God. even kidding. You know who this is. 
Oh, yeah. That is amazing. Like, no furniture. (laughs) (laughs) It's the Big Bang Theory. The Big Bang Theory is the show that's loved by your friend's mom. That's the target audience, is everyone's friend's mom. What's loved by my friend's mom is having no strings attached sex now with this one weird trick. (laughs) (laughs) But I think the the thing to remember is A, like, no, obviously. You want to fuck your friend's mom and she wants to fuck the whole Big Bang Theory. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I call a Big Bang Theory. Um, it's not. It's not that. Like, I mean, there are some people who crush hard on Jim Parsons. I'm not going to lie. Like, I've heard many people talk about this. That like men and women are like. I mean, oh, I go there. I mean, he's gay, Olga, isn't he? He's gay. Yes, but I mean, in, in in a world in which you could have a, a fling with Jim Parsons, Olga, would his character on Big Bang Theory repulse you, or would you be like, no, I can work with this? Oh, I would. I would fully be in the mentality of, I can change him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be the girl who's. Not like other girls that yeah. he's literally his respect. diaper. I can change it. <laughs> Jesus, uh, the, yeah. the thing I I'm think- not like physically repulsed by a science. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's it's not, and it's not that like just liking Star Trek or even being a nerd essentially turns you into like a misogynist weirdo. It's that the same logic that underlies like getting red pilled or black pilled is the driving logic of the pot of the of not the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Of the Big Bang Theory. True story. I'm not allowed to fucking mention Star Wars in this room because they all got boners. <laughs> we love it, folks. Um, but it's that um, the I think what would turn it into an incredible satire is if in the last episode they do lock and load and decide to like you know make a point about you know um, discrimination against white people yeah, or whatever. Or if they will. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If, if they do like a where are they now five years time and they're just like all at the Charlottesville rally that's where like that's where these people are oh uh, but don't but good thing we have the we good thing we have shows like this to remind us that if only a nice girl had come and scrubbed them up maybe they wouldn't have been turned into there's like three of them and they hate all of them <laughs> there's three girls literally sitting in their flat and they're like oh a woman will never fuck us yeah it's like mm. it's like they've been assigned there like it's like mm. you can leave <laughs> you could like the door is there it's it's uh, it's utterly baffling but it does like smack of like the under the the underlying logic of all like like incel whatever or like interpretations of like um like heterosexual sexuality romance or whatever is that like men and women just like fundamentally hate each other yeah. and there is and there is like and that is a kind of irreparable gulf that needs to be overcome <laughs> for the continuation of the species yeah yeah that's what that's what the next war is gonna be baby Fucking hate my girlfriend men versus yeah. women yeah finally whoever wins we lose <laughs> i do find it interesting though yeah there's these weird sort of fictional leaps in the in, in the plot like why don't why don't the women leave why why are they confined there forever also it, it seems like rick and morty doesn't exist in their universe which seems like a huge oversight because those guys would all be into yeah. rick and morty in a big way yeah and and i feel like toxic fandom i mean granted i've, I've watched this in a couple of episodes in my life but um, toxic fandom as like a thing that makes people into like them being geeked out over a Dungeons and Dragons game is one thing. But what happens when they decide that no black women shouldn't be on Ghostbusters and they just like lose their mind and start Nazi posting about it? Because that is the mm. same. Because yeah. wor- oh, I worship Ghostbusters. I'm obsessed with Ghostbusters. Ha ha lol. Don't cross the streams. Is the no, this was perfect. It was perfect as it was. 
And part of it being perfect is that it was all white men. Don't yeah. you dare put your SJW <laughs> shit all over that's it. My, my wife pointed out that she's like, people get mad. I mean, she, she's raised the point before, like, why are there not... At, at, in the beginning, there were no black characters in Game of Thrones. And then when they did introduce black characters, they were like all slaves. And she's like, why Why are there not black characters? And people will try to come back with like, oh, well, it's supposed to be like medieval England. She's like, bitch, they're fucking dragons. Okay, like... <laughs> <laughs> so there were dragons in medieval England, in Wales anyway. Yeah. You know? There were no <laughs> black people. There were just dragons. Just no people, just yeah. dragons. <laughs> the people the people were the invaders we did the replacing actually the grace replacement already happened but one of the points i think you pointed out riley was that this this if you go back if the show's been on for fucking 16 seasons which my god i didn't realize mm. 16 years ago this would have seemed a lot more harmless i suppose 12 12 years yeah it would it would have it would have seemed more harmless it would have seemed uh like but that whole sort of like internet you know epic rap battles through history epic bacon oh, kind of shit God. has now been kind of like you've watched it transform from that into the charlottesville rally yeah. epic rap battles of history bacon versus elon musk who will win hitler apparently oh yeah <laughs> oh, no. hitler always wins <laughs> but, but our, I, our special <laughs> guest judge from argentina <laughs> senor hierro <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do I do feel like in a way they've got a plot that works for them and they keep replay, doing the same more or less storylines and it hasn't kept up with the fact that this this would have seemed perhaps a little bit geeky and charming and now we've seen in real life where this this culture leads oh yeah and at least mm-hmm. to like uh, brigading of uh, harassing women online and like it leads to Gamergate these guys would all be Gamergaters oh yeah totally yeah, yeah. But, I mean it which is just indicative of how like relentlessly violently normal these attitudes are right like it is it's it's useful to use the heuristics of like uh this is kind of 4chan culture this is incel culture this is like alt-right internet culture but like Mm -hmm. the people who populated like 4chan aren't like aren't coming at this like blank slates that then get corrupted online they are like operating according to norms that are you know they have grown up with since birth that are like very widespread in mm. American society, and that's exactly what mm. um, what the show what the show is playing off, right? So, like, whilst it's useful to talk about like the alt right mm. in like as a phenomen- phenomenon in and of itself, like this kind like these kind of cultural currents are indicative of the fact that you can't islandize them, and if you islandize them, mm. you end up doing the thing that everyone's friend's mom, mom does, which which is like, oh, you know, these are just like some kind of, you know, like peculiar nerds who are kind of like in a minority who are kind of can be excused because they're not really that much of a threat and they exist on the internet, which isn't real life after all. No. And like that's kind of, I don't know, where I am at the moment when I, when I hear the phrase like far right and alt right and I'm like alternative from what? Mm, like mm. far from where and like no one has an answer because it's like because we have politicians who are openly re- repeating like far-right anti-semitic conspiracy theories on like in the fucking parliament and there is like to pretty much zero outcry well wouldn't you know it? i have notes on that wait but that's so, the irony of the fact that this is a show about like nerds who are a small non-threatening group but it is the number one show in america yeah where it's like the most popular show in america clearly yeah basically i love no, what yeah, I yeah, like, like it has to resonate with something like exactly. if, they, if they were so if they were so minoritarian it would be a niche show but right. like this is a kind of Portraying the mainstream as the underdog is that like that's the fallacy of the whole thing. Oh yeah, it's the kind of it's the um like cultural equivalent of like 
like racism against white people. Yeah. <laughs> Which Jon Snow got done for. You what? Jon Snow said he, there was a very large crowd of, of white people at I a rally. I was still on Game of Thrones. I'm oh, sorry. sorry. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> He's racist against the, the zombies. The white walkers. I yeah. was like, what? Uh, John, no, Jon Snow newscaster got done for saying uh, that a, a, a pro-Brexit rally had a very large amount of white people at it. And they were like, that's a slur. And you're like, which wow. element of it? Like, like, are you saying it's, are you saying it's bad to be a white, but like, uh, are you saying it's bad to be a white person? That sounds racist to me. It's like, yeah, it's as ever like, you yeah. know. Us, us white people don't like it to be pointed out nope. that we're white people for some reason because then that might mm. come with some historical culpability and that would sure no. be embarrassing. And the problem is at pointing out that white people are white people, that's feelings and facts don't care about your feelings. Well, I mean, it, it's just, yeah, he, if, if I remember correctly, he was watching a pro-Brexit rally and said, I've never seen so large a gathering of white people in my entire life or something along those lines. It wasn't, it wasn't even that. And he worked at the BBC. Yeah, yeah and, and everyone's like, oh. <laughs> and, and, and he was like, I think one of the responses I heard was, oh, you think that? Well, you haven't left London clearly. And he was like, yeah, that's the fucking point. All of you live in like all white communities and yet you're convinced that like this, the dark menace is coming to fucking replace you or some shit. Mm. Like you all live in segregation. You just. Yeah, get really mad when it's pointed out that you live in segregated communities. As we as we live in the uh, the Sharia Caliphate of Tower Hamlets, I can say that like the primary danger to your life is people driving BMW M4s too fast. <laughs> but as we all have to remember, the real underdog is um, people who like Marvel comics and nerd out about Marvel comics. Um, Damn. Who, which is the most popular show in America? Talking mm. about the most popular movie franchise in the world. Which is the same movie every year, but different somehow, but the same. Yeah. Um, like, I, I find it really funny when, like, people who are, like, Marvel fans get really upset about, like, like the Captain Marvel thing, because it was a woman, they got really upset about that. Like, I try not to know about it, because I don't yeah. want to know about it. And then all these other people then have to go, actually, Captain Marvel is really good. Yay, feminism. It's like, no, it isn't. It's terrible. It's but, a, like, it's, it's not terrible for the reason that it has a female character. <laughs> Can we just not talk about it at all? And it's also like, why are you enraged about the fact that there's a female lead character rather than enraged about the shit fucking vomit drivel that you're being fed over and over again by this, like, billion dollar like, gargantuan company that just exists to create films that make no sense, but are just a vehicle for, like, shit characters that you jack it over the thought of the meeting once even though it makes no sense to them to me oh who's gonna defeat this like godlike enemy well this like viking god and also this talking squirrel yes of course the natural sidekick to the viking god <laughs> that's the that's a, so annoying because like yeah. this is this is precisely the thing that like m like marvel and dc have picked up on the fact that like Fucking idiots on the internet will give them millions and millions of dollars of free publicity by getting annoyed that they put a woman in a movie. Therefore, they don't actually have to fucking try. They can just be like, here is someone called Carol who was at one point in the military. Have fun, feminists. Carol does the accounts. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like Karen from accounting is now like propelled to the status of like Carol's like, feminist. guys, those missiles are very expensive. <laughs> Do, have you kept receipts for those? <laughs> All right, welcome, welcome back. Uh, we've talked about the Big Bang Theory for a certain a certain amount of time. We'll see how much comes out in editing. And now um, we we alluded to this earlier uh, of Tory MPs using some far right uh, code tropes in the House of Commons, 
and now we're gonna we're gonna go into it fully. That's right, Suella Braverman. Um, what, what the, a name! What a name! What a name! That's like literally. Did you make up this name, Riley? No, she <laughs> actually it was her resignation that inspired me to do my thread initial ma- thread of made of Tory ba- of Tory junior ministers with made up names resigning. She's she's resigned to become a makeup YouTuber, Zuella Braverman. <laughs> well, initially, it's because I misread her name and thought it was Sulla Braverman, and I was like, "She's named after an ancient Roman general. That is so her cool." Key enemies, the Gracchi. <laughs> I mean, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine she'd be a fan of the Gracchi. Also, Braverman. What a surname. I mean, just the whole name. There's so much going on there. Oh yeah. I mean, look, honestly, really, like if you made her up as like a villain in like a children's book, it would be considered heavy-handed so we could spend the entire time on her name yeah and we might but i also want to talk about what she what she what she talked what she did was she talked about and here's the actual quote while t- while speaking to the bruges group which is like the erg of the erg um swilla braverman we're in, we're in a fucking european research group <laughs> uh, was reported by don foster to have said during a speech quote we are engaged in a war against cultural Marxism and a battle against socialism. Eleanor, Oof. why is that? <laughs> why, what, 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 what's going on here? Other than a lot. Listen, we fucking love Brexit, okay? <laughs> oh, I just love um, the, the self-image of these people. He's kind of like, like half-formed, like um, embryonic-looking like slug types who think they're like crusading for justice. Like the <laughs> language of like, wars and battles is fucking everywhere in like Jacob Rees-Mogg's speech and then he like goes home to be like probably breastfed by his own like childhood nurse <laughs> and like somehow like knock on the little like hatcheries where his like seventh child is being brewed like mm, it's, this one's fresh it's like, like the, the idea that these people are like consider themselves at some kind of like cultural battlefront is like bananas to me i mean not least because it's the kind like it's the language of like permitting like um like actual warfare right Mm. because Mm. like if it's if it's couched in the language of you know i don't know even of like disagreement or whatever Mm. or you know even like god fucking save us of debate then there there (laughs) is like some kind of admission that like your kind of opponent in that like should be allowed Mm. on like on the political terrain, in public society, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But if this is a kind of, um, like, as it's being portrayed in this language, a kind of cultural blight, like an existential threat, that's about building a mandate for, like, a much more violent Mm. solution Mm. than your, like, average, like, liberal, like, you know, (laughs) liberal bullshit, right? And and that's the kind of slippage that we're seeing. The thing is that Marc Francois is more than prepared for the war over Brexit because he's been to LaserQuest over five times. And (laughs) one of the times there was this guy there who said he was in the army and he talked Marc Francois the special army handshake. So now he's completely ready to fight the Europeans. (laughs) Also, they're called the Bruges groups. They're named after a city in Belgium, which is like if the Khmer Rouge had called themselves the Bourgeoisie Boys. It's like... (laughs) (laughs) Very weird flex indeed. (laughs) The The other interest thing about um, about this particular statement was that cultural Marxism is also a long-standing anti-Semitic trope that basically says um, the Frankfurt School through books like the Dialectic of Enlightenment or the One-Dimensional Man are actually trying to destroy the West for weird Jewish reasons that we don't fully understand. Um, 
<laughs> to I mean, the subtitle just in asterisk says weird Jewish roots. I mean, I'm just I, like like that's, that, that was basically just Henry the name Ford of my first book. talking in yeah, Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. That was basically Henry Ford's argument against jazz music was the exact same thing. Yeah. Like it's made by the Jews to make America dumb somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, mm. it, it should probably be said that like it's been retrofitted to be blamed on the Frankfurt School who yeah. kind of you know rightly pointed out that like all political kind of all political struggle also mm-hmm. has like a cultural frontier and like ideas are like embodied and shared through like um the big bang theory through the big bang theory for instance um but like what the people who like now like go on the internet and make like hour long youtube screeds against like postmodern cultural marxism whatever um, and the actual Frankfurt School have in common is that they both fucking hate pop pop culture. Like mm. the idea that like like Miley Cyrus is a fucking fifth agent for like Marxist feminism when like Adorno mm. would have like like just hated all of music that wasn't <laughs> actually Wagner mm-hmm. is like just such like a like a bizarre kind of like attempt at like historically retrofitting your ide- mm. your ideas into something that isn't the actual Nazi party because you know that that's yeah. that's essentially where, yeah, where it came a from. Party in the USA. It was, yeah. Yeah. It was <laughs> the communist party. <laughs> so it was initially called uh, culture. It was initially called Judeo Bolshevism, right? Um, by the Nazi uh, party, yeah, like cultural Bolshevism. Yeah, yeah you the- know who loved the Jews, the Soviet Union. <laughs> yeah, mm. and and like Marxism was like was deemed to be like a particularly Jewish menace like and it was very mm. much like the um not to be confused with Dennis the menace very different menace <laughs> classic Christian same t-shirt yes <laughs> Do you know Dennis the menace is absolutely a Calvinist all the, <laughs> all, all the Jews have dogs that are always snickering at their jokes <laughs> <laughs> that is actually true yeah, yeah. It, it is kind of weird though that uh, in the in the anti-semitic conception of the world the Jews were both responsible for Marxism and also the most insane capitalists who are going to suck the life out of the working class like it's always it, 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 they're always uh, conspiring mm. and it's either conspiring to weaken Christian culture or to like become so wealthy that they they weaken the working man well, and you the, realize how I'm sorry go ahead no this is precisely the point of these kinds of like incoherent archetypes right because mm. if like like fascism is a kind of like uh, a response to a kind um capitalism in a moment of crisis in a moment of failure and in, in order mm. to like paper over those cracks that it's created it needs to create some kind of um spectacle of unity between like a domestic working class and a domestic uh, upper class and so you need these kinds of bogeymen who will contain both the fears of like a working class aka of like a vulture capitalist sucking the lifeblood out of you and also of uh, an elite class aka of like some kind of like a like a pestilential scum a kind of like the communists trying to like uh, invade and like overthrow your society etc etc and like that's very much the language around which you know um goebbels who was one of the main like proponents of like this conspiracy of cultural bolshevism um framed this which was that um cultural bolshevism was was wasn't just in opposition to like you know what he like if he was alive today would probably call like western culture or western civilization but very much um against like the foundations of the nation state. It was like culture was a way in which you would like undermine the um, 
like the moral substance of the good German individual and like the moral substance of the good German individual is kind of uh, is the building block of mm. like the strong state, uh, for instance. And so then what this what this cashes out in in all in, in modernity as well is this idea that never really went away that there is this conspiracy, whether it is sort of active or or implied that Jewish forces are are making culture are culturally making men unmasculine um, mm. that's one of the main things about it this is how it plays into the great replacement conspiracy theory which is like by basically by by no longer like beating up their girlfriends and wives men are becoming feminine they're becoming less masculine they're less able to resist uh being replaced by like other races and this mm. is all part of a jewish grand conspiracy to control everyone by making by basically making all um, Western white societies into racially degenerated ones that are mm. easier to control. And so like, if you really follow the cultural Marxism thread, that's where it goes. Mm. And the thing is, whether or not Suella Braverman actually knew all of the, all of everything we just said, whether she actually knew that doubtful, she probably, let's be realistic. She probably didn't. I don't think she would know about. Nor did David Brooks when he also mentioned cultural Marxism in one of his. But why, why not? Like, why? Why are these people not like sensitive so, to these things? Yeah. So there, so there was the, there was the second part of the point, which is, but what it does mean is that she might not have known all of that information, but she is getting she's getting her information from the people who are sanitizing this conspiracy theory mm. to make it more. I, I think that yeah. as a synecdoche for yeah. the kind of like. White supremacist, white chauvinist, or like European chauvinist culture. These people absolutely see it for what it is. They know it for what it is. They may not know the history of of cultural Judeo Bolshevism or cultural Bolshevism mm. the way that it was framed by the Nazis. But it's it's a stand in for the exact same sentiment mm. towards mm -hmm. any kind of diversity, any time of of tolerance or fairness for people who are not powerful. Mm. And this is kind of the interesting point about um, like anti-Semitic conspiracy theories is that they're not legible as um, anti-Semitic to a lot of people mm. until the point at which they suddenly and very violently are in like Pittsburgh mm. um, and uh, and other kinds of places where, you know, precisely these um, these logics have been used, particularly as as you were saying, Riley, like the idea that, that there is this um, collaboration, this kind of cultural and political um, wings of like mm. non-white people trying to take over and undermine um white mm. society and like jewishness is the kind of like cultural and mm. like financial and logistical wing that weakens society and like paves the way for like migrants mm. to like come mm. in and like do the actual like physical wrecking and like that was like very explicit mm. um mm. in the logic of uh, the the pittsburgh um shootings but um until like those kinds of flare-ups and those kinds um, and those points of tension it's it's very easy to undersell the um the fact that for as long as we've had capitalism we've had capitalists blaming um the kind of the faults of capitalist society on jewish people mm -hmm. so these things these things are of, like, of course they're um the the kind of racial elements of them um, feel very invisible, not just because mm. we're we're kind of not um, like not sensitive enough to them. Although, like we could mm. obviously be much, much, much better educated about the history of these things, but because the the language um, 
a, the, the language that we use to talk about um, to talk about power has necessarily developed alongside mm. language that has been developed by people who are uh, who are profiting by us ha- uh, from us having like really shit tools to analyze mm. power. Like, there's mm. a reason that like over a hundred years ago now, August Babel, who was the um, who was in the German uh, Social Democratic Party, was saying that. Um, uh, anti-Semitism is the socialism of fools. Mm. That's like, you know, mm-hmm. that could be taken from like a fucking press briefing from the Labour Party mm-hmm. like yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and yeah, so it's like, it, it's not, um, it's not surprising if Suella Braverman didn't mm-hmm. uh, necessarily have, have the anti-Semitic con- connotations in mm-hmm. mind. But the point is like these kinds of uh, tropes and these languages mm-hmm are so successful because you don't need to have them yeah. in mind in order to pick them up, in order for them to kind of feel natural and uh, and utilizable. Despite the fact like yeah, how yeah. how they've been laundered into um uh into like, you know, mainstream discourse and like parliamentarians actually like being totally comfortable coming out and saying them, that kind of thing, is by people who are also yeah. explicitly like Holocaust denying and so that kind of thing. That's what I mean. It's like is that you can is that it starts and it starts with on that in that sort of far, like sort of that that extreme place, and then it gets it gets laundered into respectability. But then when someone like Suella Braverman says it, the people, like a lot of people, will listen to it and be like, ah, I know what she, I know what she really means. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I so, know this one. <laughs> like, so they'll, they'll all, so basically, it's, she becomes the mouthpiece to sort of to say to like to all of like the maybe I don't know next week's Tommy Mayer. She becomes the mouthpiece to say to him. Cultural Marxism. It's the Jews, even if she has no idea what she's saying. I was going to throw something out. So um, I'm from not like big city America. I'm from, you know, uh, from Indiana. And I went to high school uh, with people who like a lot of people stayed in the state of Indiana. And a guy that I went to high school with um, worked in like oil fields in North Dakota and like was living in an environment where there's zero women, you know, doing like oil field shit, then lost his job when the price of oil declined. And he went up going like doing MMA and like being uh, like a bodyguard or like a security guard in Los Angeles. Now he has this really successful podcast. But, and, and so I'm, I'm giving you a little <laughs> bit of background on this guy because like, so this is sort of personal trajectory. And all of a sudden, like say 2013, 2014, he goes from like, hey guys, I know anybody who can help me fix my laptop to like going on about cultural Marxism and like mm. anything involving LGBT rights, cultural Marxism, anything involving um, any kind of affirmative action, any kind of acknowledgement of structural racism, sexism, misogyny is cultural Marxism because people, the strong survive because that's a natural law and like anything that distorts that is is distorting natural law. And like, of course, he came out hardcore for Trump. Of course, he came out hardcore, like anything like up to the point of saying there should be you know, Jim Crow should be reestablished or the Nazis mm. were good. But I'm sure I eventually unfriended this guy because I just couldn't fucking stand seeing this shit. But I'm sure that he's comes up with all sorts of excuses why things that we're seeing like the Pittsburgh massacre, like mm-hmm. the Charlottesville, um, you know, basically race riot when you think about like white people race rioting, uh, that kind of yeah. shit. That, that, that's all that's all just like a distortion by the media or that like people are reading into it too much or like those people aren't indicative of whatever movement. And you realize that it's sort of like a frame of mind of a kind of like powerful people who have decided they're the victims which seems like a, a contradiction to you know that that fascism embodies and when they talk about cultural marxism what they're basically saying is diversity shouldn't exist mm. and that that people who who aren't 
men who aren't strong, who aren't heterosexual, don't have a right to public life or in some cases to even be alive. So diversity should exist, but it should be in a hierarchy. Yeah, yeah exactly. So we, can't, we can't allow women because that would be gay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I have, I have two things to say. The first of which is a dumb bit, which is that I just thought of a Big Bang Theory prequel, but it's like young Hitler. And then at the end, when he becomes Hitler, the Magic Mike guy comes out and goes, but could this have been avoided? Could we have just let him into art school? Would that have been so bad? Yeah. Um, Oprah comes out. This is a teaching moment. <laughs> and the second thing is, I, like, Ellen, feel free to correct me on this, but I feel like this kind of illustrates how, like, bad faith a lot of the anti-Semitism comments from people on the right are because they're, like, they'll say things like, oh, the left want to, like, tax the top 1% of earners. Like, they clearly mean the Jews. And it's like, no, you mean the Jews because you think that the top 1% of earners are the Jews. We don't mean the Jews. Yeah, it's um, like, you're the one say, implying that... Cap like Jews are bankers like this is yeah. not the own that you think it yeah. is so. and then they're immediately saying like and no because you're, you're doing the wrong kind of anti-Semitism the real problem with the, the, the Jews is that they're doing cultural Marxism <laughs> and they must be stopped it's like, we're not saying that they're not bad obviously that would be ridiculous <laughs> no they're bad because they're making us give jobs to black people come on it's like oh god this basic stuff they're bad because they invented chats <laughs> Um, so I, I, if I, I pulled up a, a, a reading here because, like I said, I want to, I don't, and this is partly just even for like legal purposes, I don't want to say that Braverman is anti-Semitic herself, just that she engaged, she engaged in some tropery. Now, sorry, sorry in advance for this, but I have to say it. Tropery is when you accidentally carve an anti-Semitic hedgerow. <laughs> <laughs> so... I, oh, I have no. I, I've, I've pulled We're up a reading here uh, from from noted brain god uh, and sort of consistent contributor to the spectator and unheard Douglas Murray. Mm. Um, <laughs> DM me if you're listening. In the, in the um, his initials are DM. He can't <laughs> fail. In the in in the in in the vertical of unheard called groupthink. Um, Oh, Lord. I'm sure that's a really <laughs> rational magazine. Yeah. I love the Racist Cow website. It gives uh, me so much material. The, the, they chew the racism over three times to make sure. <laughs> so they, Vomit it back into their mouths. So, so that was delicious, sure. creamy racism. Douglas Murray, uh, in his article in the Groupthink section of Unheard, writes, Is cultural Marxism a myth? So here's how the article opens. And this is... This is, is the entire article just <laughs> yes? Because... <laughs> It's like so. Also, how is that for it? Was like because if he says this is bizarre. Because if he says yes, then it's like you know, are you denying that people think that cultural Marxism is a, a thing? It's a bad. And it's if a it badly says written. no, then it's, it's like oh no, it's badly written. Um, so it's a cow website? No, <laughs> no, never. So look, here's the thing. Let's not get hung it's up on the mashing the keyboard. Let's, with not, let's, not get hung up, <laughs> let's not get hung up on the title, which asks an impossible, an impossible to answer question. Impossible to answer clearly question. Mm. Here's the opening of the article. The problem with terms, like all words, is that they are unreliable. <laughs> oh my god, what? I mean, like, like ah! words don't mean uh, things after terms all. Terms are not no. a subset of words. All words are terms. <laughs> right, so Webster's defines the Jewish menace as. <laughs> so, this, is, this, is, this is how we get going, which is, you all, and the thing is, we can know by the opening line where this is going, which is a prominent Brexiteer Tory MP engages in some anti-Semitic tropery gets called out on it so then Douglas Murray will faithfully go to the cow website and Knight write and crusader <laughs> that he is and, and write a and write an article that begins with the problem with the meanings of words is that they actually don't mean anything <laughs> he, he holds up a bloodied dictionary that just yeah. has the word dictionary crossed out and saracen written on it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did this for you 
<laughs> this is for you, Suella. Yeah. <laughs> um, like under her balcony, holding though, up a. Though they may appear to be fixed points, they move depending on circumstance, user, and listener. Or, as T.S. Eliot put it more expertly in the four quartets, words strain, crack, and sometimes break under the burden, under the tension, slip, slide, perish. Decay with imprecision will not stay in place, will not stay still. I'm going to write an article In other words, her. don't get mad at me. Also, I love that he's like, okay, I'm going to write an article defending that someone's not a fascist. Who do I go to? Ah, T.S. Eliot. <laughs> Perfect. I would like to do a, a right-wing style own on this guy and being like, you hate words and yet you're using them. Interesting. <laughs> 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 um, but this is this is that was the like the kind of weirdest thing about the reaction to um Suella, I'm gonna call her Suella Suella's um statements um is that like suddenly loads of like posh journalists crawled out of the woodwork and said like oh yeah back in my days at um in Magdalen College they were teaching me about how the Jews were trying to rule the world as well so I don't think it, she was so bad after all it's like what are we have you been uh... thinking this the whole time <laughs> well, that's the, it's it's either it's the response has been either to say that or to do as Douglas Murray did which is to become a full post-structuralist yeah. <laughs> the first time this guy listened to Beyonce he was like but Jewish girls right yeah <laughs> <laughs> no but seriously it's the Jews yeah <laughs> Um, right. Uh, so the response to Braverman's speech was swift and the denunciation almost wholesale. According to the New Statesman, quote, to Cheaper people in retail, to be fair, <laughs> to people who have spent a modicum of time on 4chan, 8chan, YouTube or Reddit, this sentence raised blaring, screeching alarm bells. But many people do not spend even a modicum of time or any time at all um, of their time on, on these platforms. And I very much doubt that Miss Braverman does. There was some attempt to push back against this with attempts to explain that the phrase was a perfectly well-known one which had been in mainstream circulation for decades' time. The journalist and editor, Fraser Nelson, explained that it was a term so standard that it was used by his lecturers at university. There we go. Telling us a lot about Fraser Nelson and not much about anything else. (laughs) It's like, this is a weird thing. Be like, well, if if it was racist... Why would I know about it? Yeah. <laughs> if it was racist, why would I say it all the time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it can be anti-Semitic. It's used so often. Like, oh, buddy. Have I, yeah. Oh, I've got, I've got some bad news for you. <laughs> have, I got, yeah. have I got news for you? Der Sturmer edition. Yes. <laughs> and the journalist Ian Martin agreed, explaining that the phrase, quote, relates to the Frankfurt School, which came to the awkward realization that markets work, so Marxism needs to be cultural in our institutions. This is clearly a man who has never read the dialectic of enlightenment. Famously, the Frankfurt School loved the market. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, this is this, the this, Adam Smith Institute of their day. Truly. <laughs> this is someone who has again maybe skimmed the Wikipedia of the Frankfurt School and is then deciding that they know it all because skimmed the cream off of the because of the calcite <laughs> milk. Um, uh, spoiler alert: They say, look. Only, only the Wikipedia definition says that cultural Marxism is an anti-Semitic term, but anyone can edit Wikipedia, which again means that they, they're Crazy saying... People often edit my Wikipedia to say that I'm a poo <laughs> Which means... Right, show yourself! Which means that what they're saying is, we assume that... Fight know, me, you cowards! We assume that, only, that anyone only ever reads Wikipedias for stuff because we're just doing a cursory look and then 
and then just proclaiming with a great deal of confidence well, what well, these Wikipedia things are. Wikipedia would say it's anti-Semitic because you know who controls Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, lo- I love the idea too that they're like, yes, the, the Frankfurt School, people who survived Weimar Germany had to leave because of Hitler's rise to power were like, actually, the market's just unstoppable. Capitalism's amazing and we can't, mm. we can't, we can't strike a blow at capitalism so all we can do is just talk about culture. And it's so often like mashed together with postmodernism, which like Habermas hated. And actually, fun fact um, that is like also horrifying, um, the, Wikip- My favorite kind. <laughs> the Wikipedia page for um, cultural Marxism had to be taken down because it was being so regularly hijacked mm. by racists oh, and wow. just like... Like but it, it, people on the internet, it had to be like nested within something in the Frankfurt School and called um, like racist conspiracy theory, cultural Marxism, because there had to be like enough of this. This is getting out of control. The only the only people who are allowed to hijack Wikipedia pages are nineteen brave Saudi men. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> Christ, very fun. The cultural Marxism row has likewise descended not into what it actually might mean, but into a quest to uncover the worst person to have used it. It's the Hitler said good morning problem. If Hitler once said good morning, and he must have done, then is the phrase forever to be associated with the worst man who said it? Well, actually, he spoke German, so... (laughs) Today's answer would (laughs) would seem to be that nobody is quite sure. Wouldn't that basically... It, it's so it's so That's stupid, so isn't fucking it? Universe brain, isn't it? Like, yeah, it's like yeah, it's like I'm sure he said good morning, but like we're talking about when like his he said kill the Jews here. It's like yeah. this is not the same it, it, problem. Wait, my university lecturer said that. I yeah, think. it's like it's like. The, it's but like, I've heard it, that phrase before. It yeah. couldn't possibly. Yeah. Have, Hitler had said like good morning. Do you know that the sun has slowed down because of the Jews' incredible power? Like that's a very different phrase than just saying good morning. <laughs> Similarly, when you're talking about cultural Marxism, it's like well, it's almost as uh, if it means something. I'm sorry, we might have to restart the Jewish conspiracy if we get to believe the Jews control the sun. <laughs> that was such a good conspiracy theory. Yeah, well, we're not having that one. It's too good. Yeah. Well, but, like, this is, the th- this is the thing that blows my mind about people who will spend, you know, reams and reams of comments def- um, defending freedom of speech, which is grounded in the idea that speech is important because words have effects in the real world, etc. This mm. is how we do politics. This is how we defend our freedoms, etc. etc. And then what, when someone that they like says something shitty, they will they will like completely deny oh, the words mean things or into, have effects or have all, context. They all turn into Baudrillard yes, immediately. Exactly. Instant postmodernism. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't keep it's up. Like every, well, those are all terms. There are three terms yeah. in an academic year. Academic years, do they mean anything? I don't know. My lecturer always used to say stuff about the Jews, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't anti Semitic because it was said. <laughs> <laughs> do, I, do I smell burning hair? <laughs> <laughs> Face, arms. <laughs> 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 the term cultural Marxism was frequently used in the manifesto of the Norwegian mass murderer and terrorist Anders Breivik. I wonder why. The fact mm. that Anders Breivik used it makes the ter- use of the term more problematic. But does that make it impossible to use? If you're talking about a battle against it and it's rooted in a in an hundred year old anti Semitic conspiracy theory, then all of this makes it something you probably gonna, shouldn't it, be using. It's the Melanie Phillips problem. Why do all these neo Nazi mass murderers keep, keep quoting my articles? <laughs> <laughs> why do I keep like? Is it okay when I sing along to the Jewish rap songs to sing along to the bit where they say cultural Marxism? <laughs> <laughs> or is that like their words? <laughs> you don't need to say... This is the, the kind of... Um, the bizarre thing of like, you know, you don't need to say that any of these people who are coming out and de- defending Swell of Bravemen are themselves 
like anti-Semites or far-right people or racists or whatever, just need to point out that actual far-right racist anti-Semites are like really not bothered by that comparison. Yeah. <laughs> We've also really just need to, again, you just also need to point out that they're, again, it's like, what if a dumb guy tried to write simulacra in simulation? <laughs> what, what, what if philosophy, but bad? <laughs> 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 it's it's this is this it is Baudrillard as reimagined by a really stupid person. Yeah, it's like you know infinite monkeys, but like not over infinite time. They're like really they're really <laughs> phoning it in. What if infinite monkeys worked at infinite typewriters, but like for a minute? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like it's like one day home makeover, but you just get a thousand <laughs> monkeys. <laughs> it's like fuck it. I would have said that it is fairly obvious, indeed undeniable, that a form of Marxism which sought to insinuate itself into the cultural as opposed to the political, these things of course being different Mm. and distinct, Mm. sphere has long existed. That it can be traced back to the Frankfurt School, among others, is also a part of political history. As can those little sausages. (laughs) That's good. But yeah. that's the thing, it's, oh yes, that's all history, that's all, that's, this is all true because it's all historical, but the use of cultural Bolshevism by the Nazis or cultural Marxism by Anders Breivik, that's not historical, that's just, mm. that's just floating signifiers, all the stuff I like, that's history, the rest yeah. of it, that's all just ideology. Well, and ironically, because of Brexit, a lot of the schools are going back to Frankfurt, so. <laughs> <laughs> Checkmate, liberals. <laughs> Oh yeah. So yeah. I mean, I mean, precisely. It's like a completely um, historically illiterate, and you know, so historically illiterate by people who've had like you know, very rigorous, you know, expensive educations or whatever. Mm. That that there does come a point which you know. Ugh, I mean, I have a lot of patience for the idea that you know people are broadly well-intentioned and like just need educating and you know will when you know the the majority of people when the ships come down do care about like people from like different ethnicities and that kind of thing however that's like cashed out and what and however Mm. warped that is and like how much work we need to do to get there however like the amount of work that needs to be done to kind of shoehorn um, their interpretation of like what like of of how this outburst like how this rigorously um, like unacceptable <laughs> outburst using like classic actual Nazi um, defamations is actually fine. Actually, <laughs> like you have to think like okay, what like how, what are you working with here? To what extent is this like a co- uh, conscious? effort to exculpate people who with whom you're politically allied what is just you working through like whatever you know uh cultural biases like whatever working through the divorce (laughs) (laughs) how much of this is just you going through a thing right now imagine if we get sued because he's like i'm not divorced (laughs) i just think about this we're sleeping in separate bedrooms but you know it's just still legally together we're working through it's a trial separation i just keep thinking about this with regard to how this has played out in the united states that um you know you realize that when you know trump says there's fine people on the side of the Charlottesville protesters or when he basically waffles on any kind of denunciation of white nationalism in the wake of the Pittsburgh massacre or anything along those lines, what he realizes is those people that will always make excuses, um, it's, 
it, there's no there's no limit there's no end to what they'll tolerate because when you get down to it they don't actually care about anti-semitism they, mm. they yeah. literally aren't bothered by it they've just yeah. they're they they just realize that it's politically expedient to feign outrage at these things and of course if it's mm. done by a political opponent they will you realize yeah. the the, the and, we, and it's weird because it's it, you basically feel like you're taking crazy pills if you're somebody who actually thinks that anti-semitism and racism is wrong because you realize that none of these people actually care about it they just mm. care about making the appropriate noises whenever it's expedient to do so. And when it's their friend doing it, the, I mean, everyone defends their friends, but in their case, they'll come up with this entire bizarre intellectual epistemology of why it's actually not racist or it's actually not anti-Semitic. Yeah. <laughs> which, which is so, like, as as you put it out, like, quite kind of, like, quite kind of conceptually complex because it has its own historiography about, like, what kind of things are, like, legitimately historical and what kind of things are purely ideological mm-hmm. and its own kind of, like, mini philosophy of language to determine how, <laughs> like, how signification is attached to things. Like, wow, this is, like, what else could you be doing with your time? Like, it's so clear that, like... Anytime anyone oh, accuses no. me of racism, I just call up Roland. And Bart, and he yeah. writes an entire yeah. treatise about yeah. it. Yeah. It's, it's so clear that your priority into, is not actually addressing like a, like a cultural crisis or oh, a political crisis. Oh no, the amount of brain power that these people are using to twist this into acceptability could be used to mine quite a bit of Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> and also this like bizarre taxonomy of like who's anti-Semitic and who's not. It's like, well, Iran are anti-Semitic because they're our enemies, but Saudi Arabia, no, they're not anti-Semitic. They're, they're, they, it's they love it. They love, they love the Jews state of in Saudi Israel. Arabia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can definitely be a Jew in Saudi Arabia and, and not fine. have bad things happen to you. Indeed. Yeah. Um, and so that's the other thing. Are the that's I think the, that comes down to like we can we can't say if Douglas Murray or Swella Braverman are anti-Semitic or not. But what we can say is that they're both pretty stupid, and that their stupidity is useful to and welcomed by actual and actual acknowledged anti-Semites. Yeah, like if this if your um words like continue to be like useful for and convenient for like. You know, violent racists. Like it doesn't matter how well intentioned you are. Yeah, yeah. Like because it's because it's not about you, and because like politics isn't about like your own moral purity. That's mm. the other thing, actually. That's the total. Uh, that's the total other element of this, where they're like, "How dare you insult her by saying she's a mean racist?" It's, it's like, like yeah. racism isn't about being mean. Yeah. But at the end of the, my book, I wrote the word "not," and that was <laughs> the one word they didn't quote. <laughs> See, I should. This is very unfair. Oh, I mean, classic typos, obviously, but you can't blame me for that. Yeah. So. She, she goes on Newsnight in a turtleneck and is like, actually, it was a character. Yeah. <laughs> but fucking some Lorraine of my Kelly. best friends are Semites. Yeah. <laughs> but in the world that we are in, the article concludes, where anybody might edit a Wikipedia definition, again, the only place these people get any information, <laughs> <laughs> and where plenty of people are learning on the hoof about complex and disputed ideas. On the hoof. He's an actual cow. Or, you know, again, it's just like, I didn't know about any of this, and the Wikipedia definition can be edited by anyone, so who can say if it's anything or not? It's like, I didn't know, then I googled it, then I ignored it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, here's the article. (laughs) The five stages of every conservative article. (laughs) 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 Denial, googling, ignoring. Writing and posting. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think that's about that's about it for now. 
Uh, Eleanor, thank you very much for coming out. Thank you. And uh, if you're listening to this, you can see us at Bristol Transform tomorrow. You can also see. Are you going to be at Bristol Transform, Eleanor? Uh, no, I'm going to be. I'm going to be in Cambridge debating whether um, identity politics is a threat to progress. Well, I bet you're going to meet some fun people at that. <laughs> I bet, you're gonna he- I bet you're going to hear a lot of a lot of points from people who are like, ah, yes, but I looked at the Wikipedia definition for racism and it said it's actually being mean. <laughs> Listen, so- I've ignored something about this on the internet and I think you'll find. <laughs> <laughs> I've ignored more books than you've ever read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the few people you meet has written more books than they've read. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so I think then it just uh, suffices well- for us to say. See you tomorrow, or yeah. if you're in Cambridge, go see Eleanor's debate. Also, Smoke Comedy, 10th of April, featuring huge friends of the show, Pierre Novelli and Alex Keeley. Link Amazing. in the description. Come out and see your boy. Awesome. Do that. Uh, do you have? Uh, can, we, can we plug that debate that you're doing? Do you want some people to come to it who are probably going to be cool? <laughs> Please help. Um, we'll shout soup stuff at you. Yeah, come and shout Pazinga at me. <laughs> it's, it's where I gain all of my power. Um, you can find tickets on the Cambridge Literature Festival website or on New Statesman Twitter. Um, yeah, that's that's yeah. it. I can't internet. What no. am I saying? No, I Facts first. <laughs> I googled the internet once. I've decided to ignore it. <laughs> All right. Later, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.